The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Kansas police officer Victor Hicks describes the experience of his second NDE as being hollowed out and filled by something else. Hicks was haunted by depression most of his life, despite being raised in a loving family with a respect for church and God. Major setbacks in his life brought him to a low point until God intervened. Hicks is the author of Crystal Stairway to Heaven, available through Amazon. Victor, welcome to NDE Radio. Oh, thank you, Lee. Um, thank you. Vic, let's, be let's here. begin. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad you were able to, to come on. This was fairly short notice and Victor's been great. And I enjoyed, I must say, I enjoyed your, um, your book. It was, uh, oh, thank you. Available on uh, Kindle and, uh, so I was able to get it right away and, and read it last night. Vic, let's begin with the circumstances of your, um, uh, uh, of your first NDE. Okay, I was uh about I was 20 years old and uh I uh had a uh, chronically infected gland in my under my chin and uh I went for surgery to get it taken out at uh KU Kansas University Medical Center and uh after the, the surgery went well, you know, there's a routine surgery said it would be and uh so after the surgery, uh, I was still admitted to the hospital and, uh, I was given an, an IV for, uh, the, with, uh, antibiotics to fight, you know, the, uh, uh, make sure I didn't have any infections or anything. Sure. And I was, and I had an IV in my arm and as soon as the nurse put it in my arm, uh, my chest started hurting. And I, so I, I told the nurse, I said, listen, hey, it's making my chest hurt. So she said, you know, well, we just took it out of the refrigerator and it's cold when that goes into your system like that. It'll, it'll make your chest hurt and kind of like a brain freeze, but it goes crazy. So I, I, I said, oh, okay. And so, uh, but, uh, I, I think this might have been noon or one o'clock, something like that. And, uh, in that, so I was, uh, you know, I, I took her word for it and then, Later on, it, I would have like these stabbing chest pain. So, you know, periodically through the day, I would uh, press the button and let them know, you know, hey, my chest is hurting. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, should they, have warmed they up by now. <laughs> right, right. So they <laughs> they would check, and uh, you know, I guess my vitals were normal. Well, you you're young, you're strong, you know, you should everything's okay, you know. So, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, uh, it's about ten forty in the evening, and I was uh, laying in the bed and I was watching Nightline with Ted Koppel, and uh, I had a chest pain, a super chest pain, you know, like a heart attack, like a sword in my chest with an elephant sitting on it. <laughs> so I, mm. Only way I can think to explain it, and uh, and I I was out of my body. I was up over my body. And I could see my body laying on the bed, and I could see the blue rays from the TV on my body. I could see 
and hear Ted Koppel still talking on the tip, television. And I was like, and I was asking myself, wait, am I dreaming? But I knew I wasn't dreaming because I was aware of everything. I even knew what Ted Koppel was thinking. I, I was a, so I, I said, well, what is going on? I was, I was thinking, like, am I dead? But mm. uh, but I, I had no kind of concept of this. I hadn't heard of any kind of NDE or anything back then. And uh, uh, so I said, God, save me. And I was back in my body. And I pushed mm. the uh, the nurse's button, and my doctor came in. His name was Dr. Hignite. And... Uh, you know, he usually wasn't there that time of night. So he asked me, you know, hey, what's going on? Well, I told him, you know, hey, I've been having chest pains all day. And, you know, the nurse has been telling me that I'm all right. But uh, I said, but I seem like I just died or something. I said, I had a real bad chest pain. and I was up over my body and stuff. He said, what? So we yelled at the nurses to come and get those IVs out of my arm. Mm-hmm. And they did. And uh, when they did, he... uh came back in and he sat down and talked to me and he believed me. He said, Hey, you know, he wanted to know what I saw, you know, but I was so, uh, shaken up. I guess I was like, Hey, I don't, man, I'm, I'm dying here. And you are want to know about the afterlife. And, but, uh, yeah, he, he believed me. I, I've, uh, since, you know, been watching, I mean, listening to your programs and different programs where I have people, you know, the, the, the doctors didn't believe him. I had, uh, one oh. of my friends, the doctor had her committed. But you, now, you don't know how believe. lucky you were to have a doctor back then who was willing to listen to your story, who who, who actually believed you. I got to ask you, what was Ted Koppel thinking about? He said, "You told me in conversation <laughs> that uh, be- before you really loved Ted Koppel, watching Ted Koppel, and after you read his mind, you weren't as enthusiastic." Right. I I don't know. It's like uh, he. It seems like. Well, I don't want to put him down or anything, but it seemed like he had an agenda that I didn't, I wasn't aware of <laughs> in, in his, uh, in his interviews. So. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, um, without your book describes very well all the things that, uh, contributed to your depression over the years. And, um, I, I you know, we don't have to go into that. And I hope people will, will get a copy of your book and, and read it. But, um, there were some really interesting things that I thought um, you'd said about your life. One was that uh, somebody described your street as the most dangerous street in America to grow up on. It must have been something. Yeah, at one time, yeah, I, I, I was brought up on uh, Quindaro Boulevard in Kansas City, Kansas. It was it was rough at one time. I, uh, that was on the world news one night, and uh, in like three different places on the same street within a couple of blocks of each other. You know, one guy shot like three or four people and killed them. And then a, a girl, uh, got some kind of machine gun and shot up like 20 people. <laughs> and, uh, that was oh. like in a, in a few minutes of each other. And, uh, somebody else got shot. And, and so mm-hmm. that, that made the world news. And he was saying, this might be the most dangerous street in the United States. You know, wow. <laughs> And and also your uh, your dad apparently owned a little store and uh, he had you in there making change at four years of old. Yes. Uh, yes. As soon as you could reach the cash register, I guess. Yes. Uh, yes. And you also you also said nobody knows how to make change anymore these days, and you're absolutely they don't. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he he 
he didn't uh, take any excuses. You either, you either knew how to do it or uh, you're going to have to deal with him, and you didn't want to deal with him. So. <laughs> yeah, and I guess your dad was pretty much a hero. He'd been a prisoner of war and got a Purple yes. Heart for it. That's, yes. uh, that's something else. Well, listen. Let's uh, let's um, tell tell us what led up to your second NDE, and and uh, and we'll go from there. Okay. Well, uh, like I said in the book, even as a child, I was kind of depressed. I didn't know why. Uh, all the time, it was it was always like a uh, dark cloud with me. No matter what, I don't care uh, whether I things went well for me or not. It was always seemed to be some kind of a dark line in it, and mm. all, all, I was never ever really uh, happy. And uh, but I, I went on and lived anyway. And when I was young, I believe I was twenty five. I got married the first time, and uh, when I was twenty seven. We had our first child, my daughter, and uh, I was. Uh, you know, I thought I was happy, you know, but I could tell I wasn't, <laughs> you know, oh. it looked happy from the outside. And, uh, we were, had two more children, my two sons. And, uh, you know, about seven years, seven years into it, you know, she filed for divorce and, uh, that threw me off. I didn't get to see my children as much. I, uh, uh, I don't know. And I had to pay child support. And that, that it was killing me and, uh, and, uh, yes. and, and not seeing my kids was killing me. I love my kids. And, uh, and anyway, so that, I had that going on. And, uh, during that time I, I became a deputy sheriff and, uh, uh, I worked there. I worked my way up to, uh, sergeant, you know, mm. on a SWAT team and all kind of stuff. I, my career seemed to be doing all right, and uh, I met my second wife, and uh, we got married on uh, Christmas of uh, 1999, and and we were together uh, another seven years, and then she filed for divorce, so I was going through that, and uh, then uh, I I left the uh, sheriff's department full time. I still worked uh, there as a reserve, which was kind of like still full time because they're always short. So I was always there, but I, yes. I went to uh, a nearby city, Leavenworth, Kansas. I worked in the, at a, uh, a uh, U.S. Marshal hold is what it's called. It's not a prison, but it's, it's mm. a big facility. I, and I was a uh, captain there, like about 1300 inmates there. And, uh, and I, I worked there and then like, like into my seventh year of that marriage, you know, she filed for divorce. So I was, <laughs> so I was, I was kind of down there and then I was dating another lady and, uh, that didn't go well. And you know, Victor, for, <laughs> for someone who's, uh, chronically depressed, you picked a, a hell of a, <laughs> of an occupation to follow. <laughs> I yeah, mean, look at the, yeah. look at the suffering. You were surrounded by suffering all the time. Oh, yes. Uh, in in the um, in that profession, most of the officers, especially there, were suffering. I had uh, two of, you know, like I said, I was the supervisor. I had two of my officers that worked 
for me. They were uh, both two of them, their brothers. Each of them had brothers that had committed suicide. And a lot of those guys were coming back from uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, and they had PTSD and stuff. I had to have a, a couple of them committed, you know, one right from work because he was seeing things and wanted to uh, take the gun and go out and, and uh, shoot these uh, things that he was seeing, you know. So. Uh-huh. I had all wow. kind of stuff going on. Yes. So yeah, it, it was a, but I, it, I liked it, you know, cause, uh, I like to think that I can help people, you know, and another mm-hmm. thing, I didn't know what an empath was, <laughs> <laughs> but I had been an empath and I, I did not know. I didn't tell you about it. We didn't talk about my, uh, other experience before that second. Yes. Oh, tell, tell us about that. I, I, I didn't want to skip over that. Yeah, it's like that was, auto, that's auto, fascinating. Auto body experience. Yes. And that was in uh, 1985. And I was, I was living, that's when I became an empath. I wasn't like that before. I was, uh, living in Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. And I was working part time at night, uh, at Pizza Hut. And, uh, and one night I was walking out of, I had finished my shift and, uh, I was walking out and behind the, uh, building there were two guys standing there and I, I thought they were two of the young guys that work in the daytime. So I, hey, what do y'all, what's going on y'all? And I turned, they turned around to face me and, uh, they had on a Halloween mask. I said, oh boy. <laughs> and so yeah. I just turned and started walking toward my car and, and they start following me. They had their hands in their pockets. So, but they, nobody said a word. So uh, I walked and got in my car, and there was a hill right over my car. And they stood right in front of me uh, over my car. And so I back, I was backing out, and I turned around to uh, leave. And I saw another girl that worked with me named Donna. She was one of the waitresses, and she was getting into her car. So I stopped, and I waited till she got in her car. When she got in, I, I pulled around to the front of the store to let the other people in the store know that, uh, hey, there's something going on in the back. And then when I got out of my car, I saw like a flash out of the corner of my eye. And those, and so I started to head back towards that area where Donna was. And, uh, the guys had jumped in their car and they had a gun to her head and pulled her out. And then mm. one of them had a gun to her car, uh, her head. And one of the guys, pointed the gun toward me and told me, all right, hero, you know, let's go. We're going back in. Man, I could have been gone home. <laughs> but, uh, and so I, I put my hands up and the guy, hey, put your hands down. You know, so I told him, I said, well, that's what they do on TV. And one of them kind of <laughs> chuckled. So they took us inside and, uh, and robbed the place. And so anyway, make a long story short, when nobody got killed or anything, but uh, we could have. Right? They shot the gun. Yeah. But, uh, uh, that night, well, that morning when I finally got home, it was like six in the morning when I finally, we finally finished all the reports and everything. Uh, I, I lay down in the bed and, uh, I, I prayed a prayer. I said, uh, God, I thank you that none of us got hurt tonight because, you know, we could have easily got hurt. But I said, there's a lot of people around the world who weren't so uh, fortunate 
you know, they they were in situations, a lot of them got killed and raped and hurt and things. I said, and you're God, you have all power. Do you care? And when I said the word care, I was up above the earth, and I could see the earth spinning around real fast. And I had uh, images come to me. Like the first one was like a child who was starving to death. And when I saw the image, I could feel how God felt about it. And there's so much pain. There's no human words to describe it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I could say, like, if you could, like, swallow, like, a nuclear bomb and it blow up inside of you or something. If, in, uh, that, in an emotional sense, that's kind of like the pain. And, uh, and then it was like a woman getting hurt. And I, every image that came up, I felt it like he felt it. And it was more pain than uh, anybody could ever describe. And uh, huh. then he said, that's how I feel it. Don't ever ask me if I care again. And I was back in my body. And after that, I, I, anytime I'm near anyone, I can feel what they feel. And that's got to add to depression as well. Oh, my, my gosh. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, man! I was working in a prison where people are down. Man. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. in, in jails, you know, and, and I arrest people. And oh man, it's at their worst point. But it gave me a, 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 a compassion for them. You know, I never have anybody. I always have people that I've seen that's been in a situation. They always come and hug me and, and thank me. You know, because I, I try my best. I try. It gives me gave me a compassion to try to help people. It, it made me see uh, people in different light and see people how God sees them. You know, when they're hurting like that, God hurts. Yes, uh, yeah. I, I'm so glad you you reminded me of that a part of your story because I think that's that's so important uh, to uh, especially to describe what uh, what led you to um, your second NDE. Oh yeah. Okay, my second NDE is when, you know, all of that was going on. And also, I had a situation where, uh, where my, uh, I was, uh, not only did I owe child support, I had doctor's bills. I was always, uh, my blood pressure was always up. I had these, I would have these migraines that would last, you know, five or six days. And, you, I couldn't get rid of them. Nothing I could take or anything would get rid of them. And, uh, and, uh, at this, that time I had those. I had one of those. And, uh, I still had all these problems. And then I, uh, recently lost my mother and I had my, I, I didn't even put it in the book because the case is still going. I had a younger brother that was murdered. So, oh, and, and so, uh, I had all kind of, kind of things going on. And plus, my relationships, it was, it was, I was going through a rough time. And so anyway, this, this day I had this super migraine and my blood pressure for like two days was like 200 something over a hundred something. It was terrible. And it, I, we couldn't get it down. And I, I refused to go back to the hospital and get another, you know, uh, $8,000 doctor bill that I couldn't pay. For nothing, <laughs> so I, I decided hey, I was gonna uh, go ahead and end all this. 
And so uh, I was at work this day, and I was having a pretty rough day at work. And and uh, the warden, he was in there talking to me, you know, a couple, me and a couple of other supervisors. I told him, hey, I have to leave. And so he was like, hey, what's going on? I just got to leave, so I left work. Excuse me. And I went home, and uh, like a couple of days before, I bought a bottle of of uh, Benadryl. They had 500 pills in it. I may have taken one or two, but it had about 500 pills in it. And so I was going to decide to take those. I was going to shoot myself, but I had a, heard a voice say, don't shoot yourself. You don't want your son to find you like this. And I was arguing with the voice. I was like, my, my son, my oldest son had been living with me and, uh, he, he was mad and he had moved to be one, uh, moved with one of his friends. You know, I hadn't seen him in a couple of weeks. So I'm like, well, I know that's not true. I know he ain't, he's not coming. So anyway, I took like five or six gulps of these pills, took all of them and, uh, lay down in my bed. And as soon as I did, here comes my son. He comes <laughs> into the door and, and called for me. And, uh, and I answered him. I could barely answer because it, it taken effect real quick. And, uh, and I asked him for some water. I got real, real thirsty and, uh, and I couldn't drink it. So he, you know, I, here in panicking and he called 911 and, uh, the ambulance came and they, uh, you know, got me and they were asking me to, had I taken anything, what had happened? You know, I wasn't saying anything. I, I didn't want to say anything. And plus I, it was, I couldn't hardly say anything. I was leaving. <laughs> and, uh, yes. when I got into to the ambulance, you know, uh, and one of the guys were in the back talking to me and, you know, he he was being a smart aleck, and uh, next thing I, I was gone. I didn't know where I, I, I left there. I was uh, I didn't wake up until one in the morning, one maybe something like that in the morning. I was in uh, St. Luke's Hospital in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, which is a long way away from uh, Leavenworth. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why they took me way over there, but uh, at that time I was wondering that, but. They said the two hospitals up there were full. And, uh. So what did you see uh, on that, uh, when okay. you were out of your pocket? I, at first I didn't, I didn't, uh, know, I didn't see anything. When I woke up, you know, I didn't, uh, remember anything. I, I, I knew something had happened. Like I said, it felt like I had been, uh, I, I had been emptied out and, uh, refilled <laughs> with something. I didn't know. <laughs> But, uh, then, uh, after my children took me home and, uh, I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning, I remembered the first thing I saw was a light. And, uh, light was, it was, like I said, it was, like, uh, brighter than 10,000 suns. It was about the only way I can describe it. It was, like, pure light. But it didn't hurt my eyes. And, uh, it was, light and love at the same time and it was it's no uh words that i can well anybody can do to describe it, it was light and love at the same time so much light and so much love it's no words and uh he said i have no condemnation for you and i and uh i 
I was thinking like, what, like, what is that? I, I knew those weren't words from me because I didn't use that kind of uh, jargon. And uh, he said, and so I, he knew what I was thinking because I was thinking, well, maybe I'm going to go to hell because, uh, or I should go to hell because I killed myself here. But he said, I have no condemnation for you. And uh, then he took me and he put me inside of himself, this light and this love. It's like if you go into a uh, swimming pool and you know, you're under the water, you're in the water, but uh, you're still, it's still you and it's still the water. You know that. But me, I became one with this light and one with this love. And, uh, and I knew I was at home and I, I didn't want to leave. And he said, your life is not yours to take. And at the time I was like thinking, well, whoever life it is to take, I wish I'd go ahead and take it. I was, I was tired, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, uh, and, and so the next thing I remember I was standing and, uh, and this light turned into, uh, in love turned into liquid. It's real thick, like buttermilk thicker than that. And, uh, when I was standing there, it poured into me from the top of my head and it started going down my body and it was healing me from the top of my head all the way down. When it hit my toes, I was, I woke up and I was in, uh, St. Luke's hospital over there in Missouri and my ex-wife was standing over me and my son was in the, at the bottom of the, uh, bed by the door and, my, and the doctor was standing there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I've got a question because this this has crossed my mind before. Do you think at the end when we when we finally merge with God, do we lose ourselves? I mean, did you feel like you uh, Victor Hicks was disappearing in in that pool of light and love? Were you becoming God yourself, a part of God yourself? I think we are. I think we came from God in the first place. We're all a part of God. We never lose that but he allows he gives us we're still ourselves when i didn't i never uh lost my identity i knew who i was i knew who he was <laughs> you know some people I, well it's just a light i knew exactly who it was you don't know i mean there's no way to to describe it but you know who it is <laughs> yeah yeah and, and so I, how how is how has this experience changed your life victor Oh, I, I can't hold grudges or anything anymore. Both of my ex-wives are my friends now. They're real good friends of mine. Uh, it's made me even more compassionate, but it took away my depression also. Yeah. You know, I still get, I still have up and down days, but, uh, I never have that, uh, that cloud thing is gone. It's yeah. been gone since that day. And, uh, and I also, I also know that, uh, that I, I became uh, uh, less religious. I'm not a religious person like I was. I was, you know, I was trying to work my way to be to God to be good and stuff. And uh, God's not religious at all. <laughs> he loves me. That's the main thing. <laughs> yes, he must. He, he must laugh at our religions. Our, our religions I, are always at each other's throats over oh, stupid man. little things. Yes. <laughs> so, and uh, 
and also you you mentioned in your book that the uh, through negotiating with the IRS your your huge debt to them was reduced yes. substantially ninety yes. percent yes. I'd say yeah so that, that was great <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you, Victor I think we are pretty much out of time at this point and I so appreciate your telling us your story and tell people how they can get a copy of your book. Oh, okay. Well, it's from uh, Amazon. It's, uh, the name of it again is uh, Crystal Stairway to Heaven by Victor Hicks. It's not a long read. I didn't want to. Uh, no, I read it in one evening. anybody yeah. else <laughs> with, <laughs> a, with my lost drive. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I think people will enjoy it. It's a it's a fast read, but it's a it's a good one. So, well, thank you. Well, thank you, Victor. Um, right. And uh, if uh, for our audience, if they'd like to hear this program again or any of our more than 250 programs to date, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IANS, please go to their website at iands.org. You'll learn about their uh, upcoming convention in outside of Seattle, Washington. And uh, be with us again next week, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.